Welcome to the Dream Big Girl podcast. I'm your host, Mary Henderson, author of the Dream Big Girl devotional. We're going to take my 40-day devotional one day at a time each week and dive deeper into each day's challenges and talking points. So join me as we begin to dream those big, audacious dreams again together. Are you ready to dream again? Let's go. Welcome back, dreamers. We are on day 20, which means we have officially gotten to the halfway point, which is crazy to me. I feel like it's gone by so fast. So my prayer is that you've been enjoying these podcasts, that they've been a blessing to you and a a great addition to you as you read through the devotional. Today, (laughs) I've said it a couple of times that, you know, today's podcast, today's topic is very personal. Um, But I have to say, this is probably the most vulnerable and um, most intimate, I would say that I will be with you to date anyway. What I do, and I I want you to understand this process, and it's just going to be me today, this is me from my heart to you, is um, I really love doing the podcast because it gets me to express myself, gives me the opportunity to express myself a little differently, um, in a little different way than I did in the devotional. And I love that I'm able to do that. I'm I'm able to be a little, have a little more freedom in what I say. And today, and what I do every day uh, before I do a podcast, whether it's just myself or with someone else, is I pray that, Lord, you would give me the words that would bring healing and draw someone closer to you. And nothing is more true than than that today, because today is a little more raw, a little more, again, vulnerable and and open with you. You know, it's it's a hard thing when you've been living a life with God for such a long time to have the, um, for people to perceive you as she's got it all together. She's the strong one. She's the one that, that I go to when I need prayer. She can't possibly be walking through some of the darkness that I have. And nothing, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. And I know a lot of Christians that feel like, you know, well, we we shouldn't be that open. We shouldn't be that you know, forthcoming, because we do want to stand out from, you know, everyone else. And I think that we can do that in a very powerful way by living our lives, you know, with God at the center of it and and the grace of God over our lives so that we can easily give it to other people. But I think there's something really powerful as well. And if you're a Christian, I'm speaking to you right now. I think there's something really wonderful about being able to, you know, give a little more of your struggles and yourself to someone, even if they don't know the Lord. The reason that I say that is because it connects you in a way that really nothing else will. Because as, as long as people who don't know God and are not walking with them and are not in that place yet are trying to figure out this journey with Jesus... As long as they feel like 
we're at arm's length and there's a standard that they need to meet before they're accepted. I don't know, guys. I, I just have a real issue with that the longer that I've known God because he's never put that standard on me. Yes, yes, yes. We are called to be holy. We are called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're, we're called to live a life that's different, you know, than, um, than someone who doesn't understand that Jesus has given everything for them. I, I get that. There's places we probably shouldn't go and things we shouldn't do and obviously things we shouldn't say. But I think it's okay. <laughs> I think it's actually really a good thing to express in certain situations, and it doesn't always have to be public like a podcast like I'm doing today. It, could, it may not even be from a pulpit. But I think there's something really wonderful, uh, although I love, I really love ministers of God that are able to be open and vulnerable from the pulpit. I think that's um, incredibly uh, important. But what I'm getting at is it may be a conversation that you have privately as well. If none of those platforms are something that you either feel comfortable with or have the opportunity to, because in the end, we're all just people who are lost and broken and in need of a savior. And if I can't express how much I need him so desperately still after walking with him for over 40 years to someone who's just trying to figure out their journey, then it gives this false expectation that they have so far to go and won't be accepted and won't be loved until they get there. And it's just not true because the instant either myself or, or that person I'm speaking to says, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and be my savior. Everything that he has belongs to me. And so on that note, I want to start day 20 and I want to share something very, very personal that, that happened to me. If you follow along in my blog, you're going to find a lot of the same story uh, in, the, in the blog uh, entitled Rediscovering Mary. And you can go there if you'd like, if you haven't read it, and get maybe just a little different insight than what I'm able to explain here. But we are on day 20, and I love to start with scripture from, that I chose for that day when I was writing the devotional. And I love Romans, Bud loved Romans. And so I always feel so connected to him when I'm um, either talking about Romans or just reading it on my own. But Romans 15 and 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, get that, the, the source of hope. If you put, take out the and add my, my source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I could literally take the entire 30, 40 minute podcast to talk about that scripture. And that may be something that I do in the future. We may do a Bible study with this. We don't know. We don't know what's next. <laughs> but I love that scripture. There's so much depth there. The idea that just like what I was just saying minutes ago, 
when I accepted Jesus, when I said, God, I need you to be in the center of my life. Jesus, I need that saving grace that you bought for me, that you purchased for me to be a part of my life instantly. Just like if I adopted a child, everything that God owns, everything that he has, every promise, every good thing already belongs to me. And one of those is hope. When I was writing the devotional, and again, today's, um, today's devotional title is Hope Restored. I don't know if I said that, so I want to make sure that I say that. <laughs> because that's what we're talking about, is restoring hope today, and how he did that for me, and how he can do it for you. But when I was writing the devotional, I came across this beautiful, um, this beautiful quote from uh, Ellie Weisel, a Holocaust survival. She's also a Nobel Peace Prize winner and an author. She spoke these powerful words into existence. And I, and I loved saying it that way because since they're out there, because they're out there, who knows when she wrote this? It could have been 50 years ago. It could have been 60 years ago. You know, because they're out there, when I went looking for quotes about hope and something that would speak to me when I was writing the devotional, these beautiful words came into existence. And I say it that way because there are going to be words that you will speak into existence that 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now are still going to make an impact in someone's life. So Ellie Weisel says, just as man cannot live without dreams, he cannot live without hope. If dreams reflect the past, hope summons the future. Isn't that beautiful? Just like we can't live without dreams, we have to be able to dream. We have to be able to express ourselves in ways of, you know, what we want for our lives, what we want for our children's lives, what we want for our married life, what we want for our ministry life. There has to be a dream in our heart. And for some of you, you're saying, well, I don't think I really have a dream, but you do. Sometimes it's locked deep inside and it's just never really been verbalized. But just like we can't live without dreams, we cannot live without hope. Why is it, you suppose, that prison ministries are so powerful? Because these men and women that have these long 20, 30, 40, and sometimes lifetime sentences ahead of them without hope, Without hope, what happens to their lives? What happens to their mindset and their, their, their mental health? I mean, all of these things. We have to have hope. We have to have hope for the future. And I wrote, when I came across it, it really stopped me in my tracks because I've written about how we can dream big, but I realized that without hope, our futures are diminished. We have to have that hope. No matter what is going on in your life, whether you're walking through a challenging season that you know includes everything, everything from a possible loss, a divorce, a job insecurity, family issues, a, a wayward child, you know, a, a broken friendship, a, a broken trust, whatever it is, we have to have that hope that this is not forever. This is pain and this sorrow that we're going through is not forever. Something wonderful happens 
when hope is restored. And I want to I want to talk to you about for the next couple of minutes that we're together about something really powerful that happened to me on this last trip to Utila. For those of you who don't know and are just joining for the very first time, my husband and I actually all our all of our family were born on this tiny island called Utila off of the coast of Honduras. And for us, it's paradise. It's just this wonderful, incredible place that has this whole culture all its own. And it's something that we hold uh, so dear to us. And nine years ago, Bud and I had this dream, really, to do ministry there in a way that's very, very different than what we've ever done before. And a little different honestly, I don't think it's ever really been done there either, to really kind of be a bridge to the church, to not take up too much time, just understanding. Our denominations out there are pretty, uh, let's see, the word would be, um, they're pretty rigid. And, and in, by saying that, I'm, I'm not judging, so please hear my heart. Um, we we feel very strongly about our own denomination. And sometimes it goes to the point where it's, it's not as inviting as it should be. And so we have encountered over and over again people who actually are interested in knowing about God, but because of their lifestyle, they don't feel welcome. And that could be completely self-imposed. It could also be from an experience that they've possibly had with someone from one of the denominations, whatever it is, they don't feel welcome. And so there's this whole group of people that, and many of them, we know, <laughs> many of them are very close to us that would really love to hear about the Lord and really love to learn about the Lord, but just not in a church setting. And so we dreamed of, well, we've always dreamed of having a family home there. We wanted a place of our own that we could pass on to our son and his family and their family going forward and have a place of refuge for them because it's beautiful. It's a wonderful paradise, you know, to go and, and you know, not only do ministry, but also to rest. And we wanted our two girls our two granddaughters to know their culture, know their heritage. It's, we're very proud of it. And so we dreamed of that. And we dreamed of, you know, the, the original dream, but drew it out on paper. I mean, it was it was a whole deal. It was it was something that we were very, very passionate about. We moved so quickly to try to make that dream happen. And we just had one thing after another just buffer it and delay it and delay it and delay it. And of course, when the Lord called Bud home, I was devastated. You know, once I came to myself months and months and months later, it's like, Lord, what am I going to do with this huge dream that we dreamed of? And the truth is, Bud had left a small um, investment and with the help of my uh, dear brother in the Lord and my brother-in-law, we were able to make some wise choices with it. And we saw God just breathe on that investment. 
And so today, our dream came true uh, just about a month ago, actually. I was there to finally, officially move in. We have a, a family home, and we also have a separate, on the same grounds, what we call the ministry center. And it's going to be a place where we can, uh, we bought a piece of land where, you know, we could have outdoor services and um, have special events. And then there's also going to be a room where we can do training and Bible studies and discipleship and, you know, everything that's going to come along with that. And it really was this exciting uh, time in my life to be able to go home and actually officially move in there. But this is the vulnerable part. And I've shared this with several people since I've been back in San Diego, and I want to share it with you today in the hopes that my vulnerability will give you a little insight into um, just where, where the power of God, where the power of hope comes from. So I have finally had to admit through my grief counseling that I started very, very early on and to, to date uh, for this uh, podcast, we're over two and a half years out from it. I started fairly early, about a month after Bud passed. I came to realize that I had been fighting with anxiety my entire life. I fought it greatly because I wanted to be independent. I wanted to um, be brave and courageous. And if you know me for any length of time, you know that that is a very huge part of my personality. I, I'm not afraid of a lot of things on the surface. But what I realized through counseling is that I had been hiding this fear and anxiety that grew inside of me all of my life. And I won't go into all of the details of that because I don't think that's really important to what I want to discuss today. But just, I, I want you to understand that, you know, it was, I feel like it was really deep down and rooted in me and I fought against it and won so often and was able to go on incredible adventures and, and be very brave and, and very independent all of my life. Well, all of my adult life. But what I realized was that losing Bud brought that way, way up to the surface. One of the first phrases that Paula, my grief counselor, told me about was um, this term that they use in mental health, assumptive, assumptive world. Um, you assume when you sit on a chair, it's going to hold your weight and you're not going to be hurt by falling to the ground. You assume that when you get into the car, you're not going to have an accident. There's nothing waiting to happen. You assume, you know, when you're walking down the street, you're, you know, you're going to be safe. In other words, there's this assumptive, there's this assumption that you're safe, that you're safe, that, you know, everyday things like driving and sitting in a chair or, or walking down the street from, you know, from your lunch break or, or whatever, 
that you're safe. I mean, I understand. We live in the world we live in. We walk around like how my friend Kitty and I say, with a woman with purpose. You walk with purpose. You're not like, you know, just letting yourself just, uh, well, you shouldn't be anyway. You should be aware of where you're going. But the point I'm trying to make is, for the most part, you go about your day assuming that you're safe. And when trauma happens, like losing my husband, all of that is gone. And suddenly, you don't feel safe anywhere. And what I watched happen to me is the assumption that I was safe was eroding quickly. And it, it started in different areas, and I, I liken it to uh, an octopus. <laughs> you know, you, when I think of an octopus, it's like, you know, if you were to be attacked by one, you can maybe get out of one tentacle, but there's another one waiting, and there's another one waiting, and before you know it, there's tentacles surrounding you, and you're trapped. That's how I felt. And it got, it manifested itself in, I could not sleep in the house alone. I could not drive at night alone. And this didn't happen, you know, some of it didn't happen immediately. Uh, but I realized, you know, even two plus years out, that it was starting to infest, if you let me use that word, every area of my life. And suddenly... I was afraid all the time. Um, if you've read the blog, you you may have come across uh, a blog that I wrote about what was happening to me when I would fly. I love flying. I love travel. No, I take that back. I don't really like the flying part because they don't make it. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, I mean, I, I'm I'm almost sixty. It was like you dressed up, it was a deal, you know, you got a snack or a meal, and it was like a whole thing. Now, you know, it's like the cattle lines and a bag of peanuts or stale, you know, pretzels. Everyone's in their pajamas. I mean, it's horrible. You're, you're jam-packed in the... Ugh. So it's not that I like that part of it, but I love that to get to travel, because I love it, I'm passionate about it, I've got to fly. And so I say, I love to fly. I really meant I love to travel. And so I loved it. And the day that Bud passed, it was a late afternoon. <clears throat> and that night, none of us could sleep. The girls uh, were brought safely to a friend's house to spend the night. And we sat up all night. We tried to sleep and then we would end up together downstairs on the sofa and I I couldn't be in the room I couldn't be in the bed I couldn't be in Bud's office and Danny said I was coming unglued and Danny said um what do you need tell me what you need and we'll do it and I said I think I need to go home I think I need to be with my mom and dad and and with my sister and so we booked a ticket three four o'clock in the morning and I, I left early that morning and I will never forget that day. I, it was the first time that I felt unsafe. I felt like I, I, something bad was going to happen. And so I flew a lot over that first year or so 
back and forth to New Orleans for different reasons. And this panic and this anxiety grew to the point where I was having massive panic attacks, getting off of one flight, you know, and getting onto another. Um, I've had gate agents absolutely losing it you know with me like okay 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 ma'am just okay let's just calm down I can get you on an earlier flight so we can get you out of here you know I have had anxiety attacks where I'm in the fetal position up against the wall I mean it it got so completely out of control and it spun and it spun and it spun worse and worse and worse and so one of the things that was the worst for me, and I've said this in the blog and I've said it in the devotional, was nighttime. The night was the worst for so many reasons. Bud was the kind of guy that would <laughs> hold my hand in the middle of the night. He would turn over or I would turn over. Or I'd get up to use the restroom. When I came back, he would slip his, his big warm, <laughs> you know, Bud hand into mine and I felt safe and I have to tell you guys when that was gone he did it also every time we left the car if we were walking somewhere he was holding my hand he used to tease me and say because I was never paying attention and I would almost get hit multiple times so <laughs> I don't think that's true but we held hands all the time we, we held hands all the time and nighttime was the worst and I've had a lot of experiences, even as a young child, I was afraid of the dark. You know, I've had these really, really weird experiences at night with weird men phone calls. I won't go into all of that. But nighttime has always been a bit of an issue for me. But I was safe with Bud. And even when I had to sleep alone, I was fine until I lost him. And it was horrible, guys. It was, it was just this deepening fear, this deepening feeling of what I wrote in, in the blog was, it was like I was an open ocean. And if you know me, I cannot swim. Yes, I'm from an island. I cannot swim. Oh, it's on my to-do list for this year. But I was, I was panicking all the time and I didn't realize it. And it was stealing my hope and it was stealing my joy. And here I am, this house on Utila is finally ready for me to move in. And it's remote. There's no electricity in the area that I'm in yet. It's that remote. And at night, it is pitch black. Because it's just open. It's just open. There's no houses around. And the first night that I put that key into that door, when I landed in Utila and knew that I was going to have to sleep by myself, that panic and that fear set in. But I have to tell you that the moment that that door closed, God's unbelievable peace, the peace that passes any understanding and every understanding is so much different than the peace that this world tries to give us. It poured over me like a blanket. And again, I don't want to retell everything. You can read it in the blog, but I, I wanted to, to explain this to you. That even as a daughter of the king, even as a, a woman of God and great faith and someone that people look up to, I was hiding that this was going on with me. I didn't, I, 
I have to be completely honest. I thought I had opened up all the wound of losing Bud to God, but I had not. I had not even opened it up to myself, to my counselors, to my son, to my friends, to my family, nowhere near. And I didn't realize it until about three nights in. And I have to be completely honest with you. The lights were on in my house on the inside those first couple of days. That darkness was overwhelming to me. But the peace of God would just keep pouring in and pouring in. And I had these incredible encounters with God where I felt his presence in a way that I've never felt like that before. And several days in, I had this incredible experience. Now, for those of you who are not on a faith journey right now, this may seem a little strange to you, but again, this is my story. This is me being as open as possible. I don't want to get weird. I don't want it to feel, you know, like, oh my goodness, what is she talking about? But I have to say it because it's so very true. I have a very personal and deep and intimate relationship with God, and that has grown over the years. And the way that God speaks to me is through the Psalms. And when I am so in tune with him, meaning I've been in his presence over and over again, over a period of time, I hunger for it. I long for it. He speaks to me, never audibly, I've never heard God's voice, but he speaks to me like I am his beloved. And it's this feeling that I feel inside of me of him calling me to him. And it's always this beautiful invitation, come to me, daughter, come to me, my beloved. And that's what I felt that night, probably about four or five, maybe six days into this experience of trying to combat this fear and anxiety of one, being alone, two, being completely remote. Uh, I had no way until probably a week or so after to get in touch with any of the family, you know, if I were in trouble, if someone were to break in, all of the things that are going through your head when you're alone, remote and in the dark. Um, you know, I, I was trying to combat all of that. And so all of this swirling around in my head, but the, the peace of God is, is there and it's, it's calming me and I'm, I'm able to sleep, but I feel him calling me. And this was so different. And by then, I was able to turn off the lights in the living room and kitchen. I didn't need all of those lights on. It was pitch black. It was black. I, I had gotten to that point six or seven days in. And so I walked out into the dark living room. And um, nothing in me said, turn the lights on. Nothing said, don't. But I, I just didn't. I walked into the living room. And I... I can't explain it, but there was an, such a deep, intimate invitation from God and his Holy Spirit and from my Savior. You know, we believe in the Trinity. I believe all three were there. I felt him so strong just calling, come to me, my beloved. Come to me. And without thinking, without thinking... I put on this beautiful love song that I had come across. It's called Deck of Cards by David Boone. It is not a Christian song. 
and it said, the word said, um, I had I'd come across it that week. I had been looking for music, new music, and I had heard it in a movie, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. But basically what it said was, um, if you want me to leave, I will go. But if you want a piece of me, I will give you my heart my whole life long. Something to that effect. And something in those words hit, <laughs> struck a chord so deep inside of this wound inside of me. And I just started talking to God. And I started saying to him, and I put the song on repeats. I want you to just get a picture of this. I am alone in the pitch dark in a new house on an island. I can't call anyone for help. And God is calling me to dance with him. Now, I know, I know. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're like, oh, she's finally gone off the deep end. Y'all, all I can tell you is this is exactly what I felt. I started moving to the music, my hand on my heart, and I felt his presence. I felt him wrapping his arms around me. There's no explanation for it. It was such a heavenly moment. It was such a God moment. It was such an intimate moment. And I was singing this to him. I was singing this to my beloved, to my love, to who is now my husband, now that Bud is gone. Because the Bible says that he's a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. And I'm slow dancing and I'm feeling God's presence and I'm swaying and I am talking to him. I'm singing this song to him. And I start telling him, you have, I have given you all of the pieces. Because this song talks about, I'll give you, you know, um, if you want a piece of me. And I started talking to him. I've given you my heart, God. I've given you my whole life. I've devoted it all to you. When I finally got pregnant with Danny, that I should never have been able to, was not supposed to have children. When I got pregnant with Danny, I gave him back to God. Danny belongs to God. I've just been entrusted to care for him on this earth. And I feel that so strongly. And, and I gave you Bud, I continued saying. I gave you our lives. I gave you everything that we had. You told me to go. And again, the song is saying, if you want me to leave, I will go. You told me to leave the safety of San Diego and go and build this house and build this ministry. And I have done it. And it has been a sacrifice, you know, financially and a sacrifice emotionally, mentally to do all of this without. I've given it all. And all I can say is that I started speaking from <laughs> this wound it wasn't my heart. It was from this brokenness, this darkness that had overtaken me, this fear and anxiety that I didn't tell anyone was, was seeping into every aspect of my life and making me afraid of everything and everyone. And hope was gone. I mean, there was no hope. This is what I thought my life would be. And... I believe that God called me home to Utila 
in that dark, in that solitude to heal me because hours went by. And at one point, I just, I literally just collapsed. I fell to my knees and I started praying and I started praising and I started speaking to him in the heavenly way that he and I speak to each other and pouring that out. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, dreamers, something happened. There was a shift. It was, it was a powerful shift in me. And for the next two months, I came out of my room every night in the middle of the night when he would call me. And the sobbing and the, <laughs> the, the hurt and the him healing the wound was not present anymore, but it was filled with joy. That void was replaced with joy and hope and peace and dreams. And I couldn't wait to be back in his presence. Sometimes I wouldn't leave that house for three days. My family would call and say, are you okay? Are you okay up there? And it's like, yeah, I am. I'm so sorry. I'll be down. I'll be down tomorrow in the morning to hang out with you guys. I didn't want to leave his presence. And so I'm going to take just a moment to say to you, whether you're on a faith journey right now or not, the God of the universe, the God of Psalm 139 that I quote so often here in my blog, when I preach, when I speak to people, the God of, 139, of Psalm 139 that speaks about knitting my bones together in my mother's womb, that intimate, that he knows every word before I say it. He knows every action. He knows every thought. The one who has written every day of my life in his book wants that kind of intimacy with you. Yes, there are days that I read the word and it's, and it's good. It's, it feeds me. Yes, there are days that I have uh, worship music playing in the background and it lifts me up and it encourages me. Yes. And there are days when I pray that I feel his presence and I, and I am strengthened and I am encouraged. And yes, that happens all the time. But there's something very, very different about getting into an alone place, a place of solitude, and inviting him in to your darkness in a way that is not your usual pattern. And can I say this? He wants that so badly for you to connect with him in that kind of deep way. Will you have the same experience as me? Of course not. But whatever that darkness is, whatever that place is in your life right now, I'm speaking to you right now. I know this is a little different podcast, but I, I, I'm, I feel so passionately about the, the hope that I have felt and want so much to give to others around me. When you invite him into that darkness, when you invite him into that place of brokenness, whatever that is, turn off all distractions, put on worship music if that moves you and, and feeds you, 
Sometimes it's just quiet that you need. Whatever that will bring you into his presence and make you feel, and let me tell you, the first time you do it, if you've never done this before, it's going to feel very forced and it's going to feel very uncomfortable and it's going to feel like, oh, I don't know what Mary was talking about. I don't feel God in this moment. Would you do me a favor and just wait? Don't give yourself 10 minutes. Give yourself an hour, two. Doesn't mean that you have to, to be in that for an hour or two, but give it time. Give it time to dig deeper into those dark places that you don't tell anyone about, that you don't share with anybody. Can I tell you that the God who knit you together in your mother's womb already knows those things about you? He's just desperately waiting for you to share them with him. The hurt, the pain, the anxiety, the fear, the disappointment, the disillusionment, whatever it is that you have been feeling. Dear dreamer, spend some time alone with God and invite him in to those intimate dark places and just see what he will do. And he may speak to you through a song and he may speak to you through a, a Bible verse or days later he may speak to you through a sermon that you hear, but he will speak. He will speak and the more that you do this, we talked about this on another podcast, the more that you do it, the easier it gets. And let me tell you, that God-sized hole inside of your, your, your heart and your mind and your life that is not filled by him, whether you know him or not, that void, once you start filling it with who was supposed to be in that void, your father, your beloved, you will long for it and you will desire it and you will want it more and more and more and it will become easier and easier. And so I I want to finish up with this. Uh, I know this is a little longer podcast than usual. That trip changed me completely. And since I've been home back in San Diego... I long for Utila. I long for not only the people and my family and friends that are there, but I long for that solitude. I, I have it here as well. That's a that's a definite yes. But it's different for me because it was that place of origin, that place where I completely let myself be vulnerable and open to God. And I am incredibly thankful for the love and support of family that I have here. But what that trip has taught me is that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be more than okay. I started writing again. I had not been able to write since the, the summer last year. After the launch of the book, I started recording a few podcasts I hit a wall and I hit a dark place that has lived with me. It's been what brought me to this place of healing in Utila here in, in, early, in early 2023. So it's been eight months of getting to that place of complete and utter surrender. Complete and utter surrender that has brought me to this, this place of hope restored again.
I can breathe again. <laughs> One of the things that happened to me is I, I literally felt like I could take a deep breath for the first time in two and a half years. There was a, a release of pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. There was a connection with God that I still cannot completely wrap my head around. And I have really rough days. That's, that's not going away. Had one just a few days ago. Had one last week <laughs> that lasted over the weekend. Um, things that brought me back to that painful day. But I'm going to be okay. My hope is restored. And I came back feeling more alive than I ever have. And this short story that I wrote that I blended in with a blog called Rediscovering Mary. It's right now the working title of my book. And I have been excited to find her again, to discover who Mary is on her own, alone, widowed. Um, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> I'm not this young girl that's still in my head. Um, who am I now? And so my hope going forward is finding who I want to be, what I want to discover. And I've made this list that is ever growing. Um, it's things like, you know, I, I wanted to find a signature scent, a signature perfume. It's been something that I've wanted for five or six years now. And, and I've been looking for it. And I finally found it as Black Opium Extreme. I think it's extreme. Just this beautiful, beautiful perfume that makes me feel feminine and confident. I've changed my outward style to something that fits who I am now. I have made a list of uh, goals and dreams. I do. I want to finally learn how to swim. I want to go to Italy uh, in the next year or two. I want to explore my city and find new cultures and food. I want to make new friends, which I already started doing. Um, I, I absolutely, you know, love that, that I've been able to do that. I want to be a passionate person. I have put workouts and dance back into my life as a lifestyle. I do one or two of them, one or both of them every single day. I want to be creative. I, I want to live a healthy but balanced life. I have lived from the time I was in my early 20s, you know, with this craziness of trying to lose weight and, and you know, um, trying to lose weight and, and be fit and all of these things. What I want is to be active. And I want to, I already know how to eat healthy. It's, it's an, an ingrained in me just to put those things into practice. I want to be creative every day. I want to explore past just writing, you know, where my creative um, ideas come from. And, and you know, I, I love photography. I, I've talked about taking a photography class. I mean, it. see what happens? <laughs> when hope is restored, suddenly you start digging into, okay, wait a minute. Who is Mary? What What is it that she likes? You know, what is she passionate about? And suddenly you start writing this list of things and you realize 
Some of it may take years to accomplish, but some of it are things that you can start today. And so as I end this podcast, I want to just say that to you. Take some time of solitude to be with the one who created you, who is the one who will restore hope in ways that you can't possibly imagine. But rediscover you. Find out what makes you happy, what makes you passionate, what moves you, what brings you joy. Dig deep and start creating that list for yourself, dear dreamer. And so, and as we end today, my declaration that is in the devotional is, Father, you are the source of my hope, and in you will I put my trust. And when I do, I will be like that tree planted by the water, strong and unmoving. I hope this has blessed you today. I love you, dear dreamers. I don't know all of you, but I love you because you are my sisters. You are my tribe. You are uh, so important to me, but so much more important to God. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you next week for day 21. God bless. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I hope that you have been inspired, that you feel challenged and blessed. If you'd like to know any more information about my devotional or check out my blog, go to my website at www.dreambiggirl.co. Keep dreaming.